In today's episode, I'll be giving a step-by-step guide on how to choose the ideal long-term tenant. With my financing and risk management background, I'll give you a unique and more calculated approach on the tenant selection process. If you're looking to invest in a rental property, you definitely don't want to miss this episode. So let's get right to it. As always, welcome to this real estate investing lifestyle. Broadcasting from somewhere around the world, this is the Real Estate Nomad Podcast with Paulo Francilio, where we talk about creating passive income through real estate investing to live your best life. Hey everyone, welcome to the fifth episode of the Real Estate Nomad Podcast. I hope everyone out there is enjoying the last few weeks of summer. As per every episode, I start off by talking about today's thumbnail photo. And for today's show, I chose a photo from a cenote in Valladolid, Mexico. To those of you who are not familiar with what cenotes are, cenotes are deep water wells. It is created from eroded limestone bedrock that forms these natural sinkholes. There are thousands of cenotes in Mexico, especially in the Yucatan Peninsula region. This one in the photo is called Cenote Suitun, which is arguably the most Instagrammable cenote out there. I say that because I rented a car and drove two hours from Playa del Carmen to visit the cenote after seeing this place posted all over Instagram. But it did not disappoint. It is truly a sight to see, and we were lucky to arrive there, and there was barely anybody there. You enter the cenote by going down the stairs. It's like entering a cave. You reach the top part of the entrance, and it reveals this round platform in the middle of a pocket of water down below. I did say the cenotes are naturally formed, but I am sure that this part was man-made. But the sight was just magical. And that round platform was surrounded by fresh water that you can swim in. To add to that, there's natural light shining through that hits that round platform. So make sure you plan the time of day you visit so you get that perfect lighting for your photos. I don't believe there are tours that go to this specific cenote, at at least not the time when I was there back in uh, January 2019. So if you ever want to visit, you, you will need to arrange a private transfer service or you just rent a car and drive there. And just some advice, if you're driving on your own, I would recommend not to drive out uh, late at night as it is pretty remote where it's at. So just to be safe, head back while there's light out. Now, let's jump right into the show. I have mentioned it a few times now in previous episodes that I will have this episode on picking the ideal tenant. I think this is such an essential part in investing in rental properties as this can make or break your experience. A lot of people hesitate with having rental properties because they hear about the horror stories with tenants that trash the place or not pay rent and stay in the property for months. In over a decade of being a landlord, I believe I've had eight or nine long-term tenants and knock on wood, I've had no major issues and not one late mortgage payment. On average, my tenants have stayed for about three years and most of them end up leaving because I've asked them to leave as I end up selling the property. My process is very similar to how I used to approve mortgages as a mortgage underwriter. I analyze applicants' employment and income stability, past credit history, and their ability to pay monthly rent. So I take a very calculated approach in approving tenants. Keep in mind, it is illegal to deny someone housing based on their race, place of origin, religion, sex, sexual orientation, disability, marital status, and even if they are on welfare. 
And with all that said, here is my five-step process in identifying your ideal long-term tenant. Step one is choosing the right property. Picking your ideal tenant starts when you choose your rental property. Sorry to tell you, but if you purchase a shitty property in a shitty neighborhood, guess what? You will likely get a shitty tenant. So first off, very similar in marketing, you want to know your target audience. Think about the type of tenant you want to attract, and that starts with a property. So before you purchase a potential rental, do your research. Drive around the neighborhood and think, is this an area I would live in? I also look at industries in that city. As I know I'll be reviewing income and employment for potential renters, I want to know what types of jobs my tenants might have with regards to income levels and stability. If you want to attract healthcare work workers, choose a property in an area with major hospitals. Or if you want to attract students, then choose a property close to universities, just to name a few examples. Other factors I consider are city population and transit. These two factors give me an idea about marketability. What is the size of my tenant pool? Personally, I don't typically invest in a rental property in a city with less than 100,000 population as my potential tenants will be limited. Regarding transit, you also want some type of accessibility to your property as you want to be open to potential renters that are commuters. These are just some of the criteria I look for when I invest in a rental property to give you an idea. I might do a separate episode on how to identify your ideal rental property in the future to talk about this more in detail. Once you have obtained the right property, step two is to advertise and take in applications. I want to just put it out there that you can hire a realtor or a property manager for this whole tenant selection process. It typically typically would cost you about one month's worth of rent. And that's not too bad, especially when you don't have the time, as sometimes this process can take weeks. The reason I choose to be involved with this tenant selection process is because you will be the one dealing with these tenants going forward potentially for years, so I prefer to meet them in person. The way I have advertised in the past is through online marketplaces for rental properties. I personally use Kijiji, and that has worked for me for numerous properties. I never found a need to advertise in multiple sites. I had enough responses just by using Kijiji. I recommend for you to research the most popular site for rental properties in your area and advertise there. The way I do showings for my rental properties is through open houses. I prefer to do open houses as it saves me time as I do not have to show the property to different individuals at different times. So when I post an ad for the rental property, I put the open house details. I typically choose two to three hours on the weekends in the afternoon as this seems to be the time that most people are available. At the open house, I will have a sign-up sheet so I can keep track of everyone coming in and I will have their contact information for potential follow-ups. I also have an application form ready for applicants to complete. You can Google templates for this application form. Uh, There's a lot of them out there. But on the application form, you need to obtain consent to gather and use the applicant's information for the purpose of the tenancy agreement. This is also a good time to interact with your potential tenants and see if they're the right fit for your property. Keep in mind you will be trusting these people with your investment worth hundreds of thousands. You'll also need to work together with these people to resolve any issues with the property in the future, so having a good vibe with the tenants is important. 
After I collect applications from a couple of open houses, I choose my top two or three applicants and proceed with the next phase of the process, which is income and credit verification. This is the part where I use my experience in mortgage underwriting to analyze the documents that the applicants provide. So step three is employment and income verification. For salaried individuals that receive the same income every pay cycle, it is standard verification. I ask for a letter of employment and last two pay stubs. The point of collecting a letter of employment is so that you can call to verify the employment details if you wish to. Really, I only call if I have concerns that the employment details is not legitimate. The pay subs are to confirm that the income is recent and consistent. The challenge with income verification is when you have someone who works hourly or is uh, self-employed and income fluctuates month to month. If I was reviewing income for a mortgage, anytime there is an income fluctuation, I have to review the last two years tax assessments to show consistency in income. As this is only a rental application, I just ask for the most recent tax assessment and some proof of what their year-to-date income is. For an hourly employee, their last pay stub will show their year-to-date income. When a client is self-employed, I ask for a notice of assessment and the full T1 general, so I can see the breakdown of their self-employed income. To be honest, self-employed individuals do get a bit more complicated as most do not show a lot of income on their tax assessments, or they have a lot of write-offs. I recommend working with them and ask them how they can prove their income to be able to support their rent payments. I know know this might seem like it is asking for too much private information from potential tenants, but you are within your rights to ask for proof of income to show that they can pay their monthly rent. So applicants, some applicants might refuse to provide some of this information, which is okay, and they have every right to. But you are also within your rights not to proceed with their application if you feel you have a lack of supporting documentation to confirm their income. I have also had... I've received applicants who were willing to pay one-year rent payment in advance to skip verifying their income and employment. To me, this is a red flag. And personally, I do not proceed with applications without completing my checks, as I want to get to know who will be living in my property. Also, keep in mind, legally, you can only ask for one-month deposit that will be applied to last month's rent. Step four is to review their credit report. The two main credit providers in Canada are Equifax and TransUnion, both of which have options to obtain your credit for free, but I believe it takes a few days for you to receive it. There are third-party sites now that offer free credit checks that give you online access to your report immediately. I have personally used Credit Karma, which I found to be user-friendly and easy to read. You can direct your potential applicants to any of these credit bureau services to provide you with their credit report. But whichever one you accept, make sure you familiarize yourself with the report so you can understand it once you receive it from the applicant. So it would be a great idea to sign up yourself and pull your own credit. Also, just to clarify, you want to ask for the full report, not just the page that shows the credit score. As the credit report tells you a story, it confirms certain details on that they have put on the application. First, It confirms their previous addresses. Sometimes it shows their previous employment. And most importantly, it shows their repayment patterns. This is important as you are assessing their ability and willingness to pay you rent on an ongoing basis. Not to say that they have missed a payment in the past, that it's the end of the application. You just need to ask for some explanation on what the reasons are for the late payments. 
if they were laid off at the time and that was the only time that they have missed a payment, then that's understandable. But if it's constant and they're missing payments all the time, then I would say that's a red flag. Again, ask questions if you have concerns. As long as you explain to the applicant that you're asking these questions to determine their eligibility to be your tenant. Sometimes I purposely ask a lot of questions to see the applicant's willingness to work together. If at this point it seems like there's a bit of a friction there once you're asking for things, well, just imagine how what it's going to be like when they're actually in your property and you need something from them. So it's better to figure all of this out at this point. Another thing to watch out for is if they have major debts they're paying off. If you confirm they have an income of $2,200 a month and they have a, and then you see they have a car payment of $700 a month, plus now they will be renting from you for $2,000 a month, how will they cover the shortfall? So these are things that you have to, uh, to look out for. Once you have assessed the applicant's income and credit and you are not satisfied, but you really want to make things work with this client as you think they would be great tenants, keep in mind it's always an option for you to ask them if they have a guarantor. A guarantor is someone that can add strength to the rental application, whether it be someone that adds income stability or credit worthiness. You will need to review income and credit information for the guarantor as well. Lastly, after you have satisfied your verifications, step five is completing the lease agreement. This part is straightforward as most provinces have a standard lease agreement. The Ontario lease agreement has an appendix at the end of the form, which gives you a breakdown of what things you can ask for as a landlord. I would advise you to read through this form and also familiarize yourself with a landlord and tenant act in your province. So you are prepared if any issues with your tenants arises in the future and you will know what steps to take. There you have it, five steps in finding your ideal tenant. Just to summarize that quickly, one, choose the right property, two, advertise and take applications, three, review employment and income stability, four, review credit history and their ability to pay rent. Again, on this part, don't be afraid to ask questions. Remember, you are trusting these people with your investment. Five complete the lease agreement, and familiarize yourself with your rights as a landlord. To some, this might sound a bit intense, but if you are serious about growing your real estate rental portfolio, you have to at least have a good understanding of this process, even if you end up delegating this task to a realtor or a property manager in the future. At the end of the day, it is your investment and you are the person on title on these properties. Don't accept a tenant just because you are worried to lose rental income for a few months. Trust me, you are better off keeping your rental empty and paying the expenses yourself than having the wrong tenant in the property. As having bad tenants can cause you a lot of headaches and can make you lose even more money in the long run. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please make sure you follow me on your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast will be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or you can stream it directly online at realestatenomad.ca. It is free to follow. If you have any questions, please DM me on Instagram at realestatenomad. Thanks for your time listening and please comment and give the podcast a five-star rating if you have found some value in today's episode. Again, welcome to this real estate investing lifestyle.